We are rolling. Rolling, rolling. All right. So, uh, you ready to do a podcast? Let's let's do a podcast. Keep an eye on your time, too. We're starting at 12.16. Yeah. 12.16 Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> we have begun the chase for interesting. Welcome back to Chasing Interesting. Craig Hoffman here because this is my podcast. But today, today, friends, I am not alone. Uh, this is going to be a new thing that we do. I wanted a way to do this consistently. And the interviews have been fantastic. And they're not going to stop. We're going to try to have interesting guests, talk to interesting people about interesting things. But I wanted a way to do this podcast to talk about what's going on in the news uh, and all different things that interest me, sports, politics, music, whatever. And I can't think of a better person to do it than my good friend, Joe Girard. Joe was the person who it's weird now that he's he's going to be my co-host on my podcast because I was Joe's intern <laughs> back in the day at V93.7 in Greenville, South Carolina, my hometown, place that Joe you lived for what? 5 years? Uh, 6 years? In, How long were you in I Greenville? I was in Greenville 3 years and then I went to It was just 3? Yeah, that, and you had to deal with me for two yeah, of them? No wonder it, you it left. It was rough. But then I went to Charleston and I was there for four. <laughs> so I did like 7 years right. in South Carolina. Indeed, indeed. And so uh just Joe's been a good friend ever since then. Uh, someone that it's weird. I'm gonna say this out loud. I'm not, I don't want this to go to your head. But someone who was a mentor to mm. me. Uh, but now I'm an adult. So uh, you know, now we're just now we're just friends. That's how that works. Yeah, that's nice. It's actually come back full but, uh, circle. It's a, it's actually a beautiful thing to be honest. It really has been a cool way in which our our friendship has evolved as as we both gotten older. And uh, so let let's let people know. First of all, officially, welcome to the podcast. Mm. Welcome to being the co-host of Chasing It. This is this is awesome. This is actually something that I've kind of wanted to do with you for a little bit because you know we kind of parted ways years ago, but we always kept in contact. We always kind of checked in with each other. You know, I kind of moved around since uh, since leaving South Carolina. I'm now in Los Angeles. Uh, I've been out here six plus years now. Uh, in sunny LA and you know you kind of you bounced around a little bit yourself too after you left South Carolina which I would love to kind of dive more into Uh, you got involved with all types of stuff with with radio with television you're doing a bunch of stuff with some sports uh, soccer stuff NFL stuff Um, so first of all I'm very proud of you because you're someone thank you you, Kami you're someone who always had tremendous work ethic. Now, you were my intern. That is the truth. You, When I was doing uh, the night show in Greenville at B93.7. Uh, Just Joe on your that's radio. That's right. The Just Joe night show. Uh, you were there with me every night. Uh, and one of the more memorable nights we had, and you could attest, was when... Mm-hmm. I think I know where you're going. ...was the day Michael Jackson passed away. It kind of yep. came down in the afternoon for us, and you were you were somewhere, and then you scrambled yeah, I, to get back, right? Oh man, I I still like get mad thinking about it. I I had a meeting. I think I had a job as a camp counselor. Whatever my job, like my summer job was that summer, that we had a meeting, and like my boss would not let me out of the meeting early to go. I'm like, look. Michael Jackson just died, and I my career is going to be in radio. Like I know you think this is very important, but like there is nothing bigger that is going to happen ever in pop radio than this. I need to get to the station now, yeah. and eventually got there. And yeah, that was a, an incredibly memorable night. It was. Uh, it kind of took us all by surprise. Obviously, we weren't expecting that to, to kind of happen. So it did. I was in a kind of a, a little bit of a shock 
uh, phase myself. I, I was, uh, am still a huge Michael fan, uh, as were you. And so we decided, okay, we need to do something. This needs to be a show dedicated to Michael Jackson uh, and, and, and take a bunch of phone calls, how he impacted lives, uh, play a bunch of his music, and we did. I mean, we went through a lot of his catalog those five hours of that night, and people called up and, and talked about some of their favorite Michael moments, and we shared ours. So it was it was definitely a memorable night. I, I think I have the audio. You might have it for sure. Yeah, I've got some of it for sure. Um, and uh, so that was that was kind of a like a, a moment for us. Um, and of course, we you know we, we and you we did a ton of stuff together, but for, the, for you know that kind of stood out for me. Um, and that that year, yeah. Um, I remember another one where like you would we would send me out places like to go get tickets or something, you know. And there was one like I went to a bookstore down the street, and like fans had to come find me. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Remember we could go out in public and do stuff like That's that. Right. Uh, but it's like. You know, th- those kinds of things that just make Top 40 Radio super fun, and, and we did a bunch of them remotes. At, we did a remote at a movie theater That's one right. time, I remember. Yeah. Um, you know, all kinds of good stuff. And we, uh, did, many. we did stuff uh, personally. We'd play basketball a lot together. At, we did. We went to a bunch of gyms. We, we played, uh, you know, games of horse, one-on-ones. We'd play pickup games. So, we, you know, we were, we were, we were good buds. We, we were real friends. Yeah. Real, actual human friends. Real human beings. Yeah. Uh, you know, saw you last time I was out in LA, which was fantastic. Yes. Uh, came out to the crib. So, uh, hey, look, nice. my battery's dying again. It lasted. <laughs> what did we get? Four minutes. Four minutes in. <laughs> Four minutes in on the video. Beautiful. Whatever. We'll just switch the camera, keep the podcast rolling. And honestly, we might edit this out of the, the audio podcast. Yeah. Or we might not. Or. We might not. Is, That's the beauty. Is, we're zany Doing guys. We want. We're zany, crazy just, thing. Look, just a couple radio fools. Yeah, that's all we are. Look what it, going into podcast world. So what we want to do with the show, um, and obviously, I think I think a lot of stories about like our friendship and things that we did will probably come up naturally. Like that's what happens when two people talk to each other that you know know each other like we do. Um, but I, what I what I think the best format for the show is going to be is to just turn this into a couple of standard segments. And you know, it's I kind of laugh because it's very radio of us to like, hey, let's have some segments. Uh, but it, I think it also is a great way to kind of organize the show, organize our thoughts make things move and so uh we'll have a couple different ones obviously for the this first show uh explain them as we go but uh in the spirit of chasing interesting joe our first segment we're going to call important and interesting Mm. and this is very simply the biggest news that's going on right now which i think fairly obviously this week is joe biden nominating kamala harris to be the vice president uh, the next vice president of the United States. And there's a ton that's interesting about this. Um, just on a very baseline level, she is the first African-American uh, to be, or African-American woman to be a major party candidate. Uh, she is the first Asian, or woman of Asian descent to be a major party candidate. Uh, she is uh, a continuing in the Democratic Party all the way back, ironically enough, to Geraldine Ferraro, uh, to be a senator as the Democratic Party's nominee, I believe, uh, I want to say it's like nine in a row. Um, I might have that number off, but Geraldine Ferraro was the last one to, which was uh, the George W. Bush, or not George W., George H.W. Bush mm-hmm. race. So this, that was 88. Um, she was the last running mate 
to not be a senator in the Democratic Party. So it's been senator, 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 obviously Joe Biden, uh, Tim Kaine, the last the last three elections, respectively. Um, so it's just it's really interesting um, to see that continue. Uh, and in some ways, things stay, but obviously some things very different uh, with some of her uh, her background. And I think it's the right moment for this. You know, I, I think what's interesting to hear certain people that are I, I have so much respect for, I think, uh, namely of Latasha Brown, uh, who's president of uh, Black Voters Matter, uh, which is a, an, an organization trying to increase African-American turnout and, uh, you know, continue to remind people like, hey, your voice does matter because black people have been the, the backbone and specifically black women have been the backbone of the Democratic Party for so long. And now to see that representation to go, hey, one of us finally made it to the to the very or not, I guess, the very top and being the nominee, but right there at the top of the ticket, um, I, I think is so meaningful for so many people. And in, in that way, it was in some ways a requirement for this job um, because it, it was just time. It was time for this to happen. Yeah. No. And Joe, he I think he even said months ago that he will choose a woman no matter what. And that yeah. was. Yep. Uh, something he kind of stood for right from the beginning, and he, I think he made a great choice uh, with Kamala. Uh, her record is is super vast. She, you know, she was an attorney general. She was a lawyer. She represented California for many, many, many years. She's a strong woman. I've seen her in action. Like I've seen her in debates. I've seen her up against other politicians. I think she's a strong choice. And it seems to me, overall, everyone seems happy. Everyone seems happy with Joe's pick. Um, and it's, yeah. it's going to be, uh, once the, uh, you know, the debates start happening, everyone's really looking forward to the, uh, Mike Pence, uh, Kamala debate. Um, I can't wait for yeah, this. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, me too. Because me too. she is, she's such a great prosecutor in terms of the ability to actually, and, and we saw this probably. Most famously in some of the Senate hearings, uh, you think of what she did to William Barr, Attorney General, just completely flummoxing him, putting, you know, boxing him in to where he was like, just had to play dumb to not criminalize, you know, self-incriminate, which he probably did anyway. Uh, uh, the, uh, the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, just incredible how she just is able to pinpoint questions and you know, and, and I think that stuff's important, right? You know, vice president is such an interesting job because it is both the second most powerful job in the United States. Uh, you know, the saying is you're one breath away from the presidency, but there's no clear defined job of vice president. And I think that's what's really fascinating. And especially uh, if Biden wins, because he's done that job. Like he, he knows what it's like to be the vice president, but he also knows that it's a governing partner and some of the things that like he can kind of set her to do the things that she's great at while he does the things he's great at. Cause there are no set responsibilities. Like once you're president, you're in charge of all of it, but how you delegate is, is kind of up to you. Right. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. And I think one of the big things obviously we're going through right now is going to be a sort of federal plan to deal with COVID-19. I think that's something mm-hmm. that's been weighing on everybody uh, for, for a minute and we don't really have one right now. Uh, uh, and hopefully, I think a lot of people are wanting something, something so that kind of covers everything. Uh, because we, I know, if people are kind of going back and forth. There's no really no set plan. You know, some states have have mask mandates, some don't. And we're seeing rise in COVID kind of all over the place. Uh, 
you know, it's coming back. I mean, I don't know if you follow much California, but we're, we're getting hit pretty good with, with, with oh, COVID. Yeah. Our numbers are, are, are pretty high, unfortunately. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big supporter of the mask. I, I don't leave home without it. I rock it all the time. I am not messing around with it. Um, and it's really yeah. not an inconvenience. I know, and I know for a lot of folks it is. And if you have a breathing problem or people are claustrophobic sometimes with the mask, and I, and I fully understand that. Um, but I'll, I, I just don't see it, it's, it being such an inconvenience, especially because you're helping others. Like, you, you, you know, it's not just for right. you, but it's for the people around you. And the, on that right. level, I mean, I, I think people should just adhere to that. But, you know, that's, that's right. the battle. And so that's – so, like, how does Kambala help that, right? One, she's someone people tend, seem to really trust. Um, you know, there's obviously going to be some, uh, there's going to be a group of people, the 30, whatever percent it is that are like diehard MAGA Trump people that it doesn't matter if you have a D next to your name, they're not going to trust you, especially they're not going to trust a black woman because they're racist and sexist. Like it just is what it is. And those people we're going to have to find a plan for, but in general, people seem to really trust Kamala Harris. Um, and, and so her as a messenger for things like mask mandates, I think is, is going to be a huge positive. I think that when you talk about a vice president, uh, one of their main jobs typically, you know, we said there's kind of flexibility here and Biden's going to be great at this too, because this was kind of his thing as vice president. And, and obviously for 30 years as a Senator, like how do you actually navigate the Senate? Do you, can you help the Senate majority or minority leader, um, get the votes that you need? Can you cross the aisle and get votes from, you know, it, let's say the Democrats do win back the Senate, um, which is a huge, huge factor. Like if you, and maybe we'll talk about that on some show in the future, how important it is, uh, if you want progressive policies passed for Democrats to be, uh, in charge of the Senate, but let's say Democrats get in charge of the Senate, they're still going to need some Republican votes for some things. Can you get Republicans on board? Someone like Kamala, who has this experience in the Senate, is super important. As you mentioned, she was the attorney general in the state of California, so she understands how local politics work at, at the state level. Um, obviously, California is a little bit different. California would be like the fifth largest economy in the world if it was its own country, which is nuts. Um, but she's been in charge of making laws and enforcing laws in, in that setting, but, which means she understands how to navigate at the state level. And so as you try to put together all these plans and you need that centralized leadership, um, someone like Kamala Harris's experience, I think, is super important. And that's why I think she's such a great choice. On top of the fact that we saw the enthusiasm. You mentioned yesterday, Joe, about how people were so excited. Like they had on the bridge of this announcement, we're recording this on Thursday. So Tuesday was the announcement at like noon or whatever it was. They raised more money Tuesday afternoon than any other day of the campaign. That's incredible. Tuesday was was Biden's most successful fundraising day, which tells you that the people that were maybe holding out support or people that were already enthused, they were like, they got pushed over that line of like, not only am I excited, but I'm going to give you my money. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, def the energy towards it is is skyrocketed, and uh, and that's awesome, and that's what the party needs. I think that uh, it, it's a renewed energy. It's a it's a it's a different. You know, it's a different kind of uh, vibe where it was a couple weeks ago. I mean, people, I mean, Trump, you know, he, he kind of digs at, at Biden a lot with his Sleepy Joe comments and a bunch of other stuff. He lives in his basement kind of stuff, which is kind of silly. Um, so yeah. I, I think with with bringing Kamala on, it's it renews the party. It brings this new energy to the to, to the party, to the ticket. And I think it's I think it's exciting, dude. I think it's going to be a, a exciting few uh, a few months coming up and. And as we kind of gear up for the election in November and, you know, with all the debates and, 
you know, I, I, you know, I want to ask you, where is your take on this mail-in ballot thing? Are you are you for that? Yeah, of course. It, it's so. And if you want a lot more information on this, um, for both you, Joe, personally, and anyone listening, um, on our Catch the Spirit podcast yesterday, uh, so my my day job, if you will, uh, we talked to Kyle Learman who is the CEO of When We All Vote. We, as the Spirit, just partnered with Rally the Vote. And I'll talk about this more later in the pod because uh, it's actually part of my do good, which we'll get to to end the pod. But uh, basically, we had a, a giant discussion about this. And, and When We All Vote's a, a great organization helping people get registered and understand what they need to do to vote. And um, the word he used in terms of like voter fraud with uh, mail-in voting, which is the whole thing that Trump is trying to push, which is comp- the word I'll use is bullshit. Uh, but the uh, the amount that has happened over the course of decades when voter vote by mail has been in place uh, is infinitesimal. Like it's point zero 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 one percent. Like it's it's crazy how little and and you might as well try to not vote in per- or like vote fraudulently in person um now we are in deep shit with this because of what trump is doing to the post office like this is a real thing that needs to be talked about Uh, it literally cannot be talked about enough so Um, make a good point so for those who don't know what's actually happening with the post office and what trump's trying to do can you just kind of give us cliff notes on that yeah so trump for whatever reason thinks that vote by mail is bad for him which by the way is also not true like trump is actually shooting himself in the foot because republicans typically it's a very small lean um you know when more people vote it's better that's democracy right so like on a very baseline nonpartisan level but if you look at the partisanship because most republican voters are older and old white people like the post office um and rural voters uh, that's the best way for them to vote. Um, it actually slightly leans Republican, especially in the state of Florida, massive swing state, a lot of old white people. That's how. That's why that state's a swing state. And so they're getting totally fucked by the vote by mail thing. But for whatever reason, Trump thinks vote by mail is bad for him. And so he has decided to try to pull funding from the post office. And he has also put this goon in charge of the post office, made him the postmaster general, which is an appointed position. And this guy has a lot of stake in FedEx and UPS, which are the post office's technical um, competitors. And so by sabotaging the post office, that makes FedEx and UPS more money. But what it also does is USPS, uh, United States Postal Service, is how ballots get mailed out and returned. The slower it is, depending on the state, uh, means that your ballot might not get counted. Because in some states, if your ballot isn't returned by election day, uh, or is it postmarked by election day, uh, depending on the state, both both are the case, then it might not get counted or it might be higher rate of it getting rejected or ballots are going to get backed up and the people that are checking them might might reject them more often. Um, and that's a whole deeper discussion. But the Cliff Notes version is, is basically that. The problem, as if that wasn't problematic enough, additionally, you have a lot of people, especially in rural communities, that get things like medicine, food, all that kind of stuff through the U.S. Postal Service. So now you're literally putting people's lives at risk because they can't get their medicine because Trump is trying to do what he thinks is good politics for him. And so it's just him picking another fight. It's completely insane. And so the solution is if you're going to vote by mail, like I've already done this uh, in the state of Virginia, if you can, especially if you can register online, register online, get your mail-in vote, apply for your absentee ballot, which, by the way, absentee and mail-in, exact same thing. 
and then fill it out and send it back early. That's the best way to make sure that your vote gets counted. And by the way, if there is a problem uh, with your signature not matching or something like that, in a lot of states, they have to call you and say like, hey, was this really you? And the earlier that happens, the more time you have to go in and fix it again to make sure that your vote counts. Wow. Okay. That's that's good information. Now, is there a website folks can go to to kind of check their Yeah, status? there's a ton. Okay. There's a ton. Um, Vote.org is one. Um, Vote Save America, uh, which is from Crooked Media and the Pod Save America guys, they've done a great job. Um, and all of these, even like, you know, some of these I'm going to mention may have been founded by Democrats, but they're all nonpartisan voting organizations. Um, so Vote Save America, um, When We All Vote, uh, WhenWeAllVote.org, uh, that's the one we just partnered with. They're incredible. Um, so those are three where you can go and they have tools to check your voter registration. Um, in your state. So you just put in your name, your address, and it'll either take you to a, a website or be able to automatically check through their website whether or not you've registered. And then you should be able to apply for an absentee ballot if your state is one where you can apply uh, to, to mail and vote. Right. And now, now one last question about this. Can people still, are there still going to be polls day of voting? Can people physically oh, yeah. go? Okay. So yeah, and this is actually another good point. We talked about this yesterday and this stat blew me away. So when you you've you voted obviously uh when you go to the polls who are the people that are working the polls like describe to me your average poll worker uh they're uh usually older um retired that's pretty much all you need to know yeah Yeah. they're older right so are those people going to want to go out and be around a bunch of people right now definitely not right so there is an estimated shortage of two hundred and fifty thousand poll workers nationwide so if you're young and healthy and are willing, and by the way, it is a paid gig, uh, sign up to be a poll worker. That's actually something that I, I did. I want to learn more. I, I want to see what, what it would take to be a poll worker. So um, there will still be in-person voting. And that's another thing. If you have a state where you can early vote, so like a lot of people, in a lot of states, you have to vote on election day. Uh, they make it as hard as possible, which is a thing that a lot of Republicans, frankly, have done to make it harder to vote because, again, there are more Democrats in the United States than there are Republicans. So Republicans have to try to pick their voters as opposed to having the voters pick them. So if you make it harder and a lot of people lower incomes, which tend to be people of color, uh, which tend to vote Democrat, that's why people, you know, the Republicans have tried to suppress votes like that. They've shut down polling stations, whatever, whatever. The more the more, more poll workers we have, the better. Um, but if you can early vote, that's another way to try to vote and do it safely and do it in person, make sure your vote counts, all that kind of stuff. And you don't have to have any kind of apprehension about mail-in voting. But again, mail-in voting, very safe, very reliable. Um, but uh, then if you have to vote on election day, uh, you can go in and there still will be in-person voting, but you're going to need poll workers to make sure there's enough polling stations open, which will make a shorter lines and be everything safer. There's less people per, you know, per polling. Right. Place. Cause I, yeah, I had heard during some primaries down in, I don't know if it was Georgia or one of the States down South that. Yeah. Georgia was bad. There wasn't a lot of workers kind of helping the process. Yeah. And you saw lines of like four, four hours yeah, and, yeah. you know, and just to prove the point, like this isn't a place where we're going to beat around the bush. Like, it was where black people were trying to vote. Like it was in Atlanta in some of the, the most densely populated black areas, as opposed to the suburbs, uh, and you know, pick your, pick your Atlanta suburb. There's plenty of them. Um, you walk in, walk out in five minutes. Yeah. And so, um, they're going to close those polling places first. And so if you want to not see people disenfranchised, uh, out of racism, then, uh, apply to be a poll worker. How about that for a pitch? Yeah. 
hey guys, go vote. Yeah, go vote, and uh, at the very at the very minimum, vote. If not, do more. All right, our next segment uh, is called "Welcome to My Lawn," and this this Joe, the name for this came up uh, when we had the idea to like really do this podcast. So I was out in Utah for the the Challenge Cup. Uh, and we were texting, and it actually was about how bad the radio jocks were out there. And I was like, Joe, you're better than all of these people. And you're like, yeah, you probably are too. I'm like, I don't know. I haven't done music radio in a long time. But honestly, these people suck, so probably. And so we're just like complaining about shit. And I was like, you know, honestly, instead of get off my lawn, I'm just ready to people. Like, I'm 30 now. Like, I'm just ready to welcome people on it. So instead <laughs> of, hey, get off my lawn, it's like, hey, welcome to my lawn. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this is the part where we complain about stuff. Yeah, we're actually. And so we just talked. Sorry, I was, I was gonna say we're embracing. We're embracing more now. We're gonna start yeah. embracing things and be open. Yeah, we're gonna try to be positive and a lot, and we're always gonna end the show with a positive segment. We'll get there in a little bit, uh, but there's gonna be there's, there's enough going on in the world in 2020 that's not great. So uh, this is the segment where we complain about it. Uh, we'll stay focused though, and this is actually now uh, for today where we're gonna talk about some of the negative reaction to Kamala Harris being named as vice president because or as uh vice president nominee because joe it took about four seconds for the racism to come out Mm. it was un like as soon as the announcement happens trump says racist shit does racist shit puts out a racist ad she's you know sexist as hell oh she's nasty like all this kind of stuff and it's just like dude you don't even have a dog whistle anymore you got a bullhorn yeah and uh but there, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see the Newsweek article questioning uh, her candidacy and whether she's actually eligible? I did not see that. What is that about? Okay, so this was pretty crazy for Newsweek to put this out. It was, I will admit that it was interesting on a legal, like scholarly level. But it also admitted in the piece, like, no one would ever go for this, uh, but here's the case. And so... It's like, we just had the whole birtherism thing. We had birtherism with Obama, the first black president, and that basically got Trump elected. Like, can we not put out the, the is she even eligible article a day after the first black woman becomes a nominee for vice president? But what it said was, like, technically speaking, it doesn't explicitly say in the Constitution or the 14th Amendment or um, some of the other amendments that dictate this stuff and the supreme court cases that dictate this stuff that just because you're born on u.s soil means you're a citizen which is kind of the accepted thing and hasn't really and like all the court cases this guy was citing were like in the 1800s so uh, i'm pretty sure if it went to the supreme court now they'd be like yeah uh she was born in america it's fine and he doesn't even challenge that what he said was because her parents who were immigrants were here not on permanent status. They were college students at the time on student visas. At least that's what they think. Um, and all this stuff, he's like, this would need to be verified that. Like, it was, it was very thorough. I will give I will give the reporter slash legal person who wrote it that, um, that she might not be eligible. But it's just like, sometimes, especially white people, just need to shut up. Mm. Preach. Like, some, For those in the back, go ahead, louder. Yeah. Like, sometimes you just don't need to say the thing. Right. Like, this is not relevant. She's been a U.S. senator for a while now, um, which has not the same, but in terms of this this box being checked, it, it'd be the same uh, qualifications. Um, 
like you don't have to be the first one mm. to be to make the racist argument about the black lady. Like it's just that simple. Like who what white person, especially white guy, which is what this guy was, woke up the morning after Kamala Harris had been named the first black woman to ever be nominated to the vice presidency and go, "You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be the one to question her eligibility." Mm. Why do we do that? Like, what a dick. What, I don't understand. Is, is this to, for controversy? Is it just to kind of stir the pot? Is it just, why can't we just like be happy or like, wow, this is a monumental moment that we're, we're stepping forward, we're progressing, and someone has to always question it? I think this guy went, look, this is a serious legal matter, and I need to make sure that we at least present the argument. Mm. And it's like, so it's not explicitly overt like he didn't go like oh she's the black lady i'm gonna try to do this but he also ignored that like like that didn't like he just existed in this context where she wasn't the black the first black woman to do this and this wasn't historical moment that because like he knows this isn't going anywhere other than like in this magazine so he knows all he's doing is stepping on the moment and he just doesn't care. He's like, this needs to be said. I am here for to stand up for the law. And it's like, no, you're actually a dick. <laughs> yeah, you really are, dude. Sit your ass down, have a cup of coffee and just be happy. Accept it. You know what I mean? And that's ex- interesting. And the other one was, and I didn't hear it, but I saw her on Twitter, is your boy Tucker Carlson. Yeah, which brings us to... Tucker, can I just say one quick thing? Because this is something that will serve you and your fellow um, hosts on Fox. Her name is pronounced comma like the punctuation mark la, Kamala. Okay? okay. Be, uh, seriously, I've heard every sort Un- of bastardization okay. so what? That's how it is, uh, Kamala. Okay. 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 Well, but that, I think it's out of respect uh, for somebody who's going to be on the national ticket. Pronouncing her name right is actually okay. not, it's kind of a So I'm disrespecting her by mispronouncing her name unintentionally. So it begins. You're not allowed to criticize Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris or whatever Kamala. No, because no, no, Kamala, Kamala Harris... No, it's not whatever. Okay, look, I unintentionally mispronounced your name, question. but I love the idea that she's immune from criticism. So let me restate my question let me because on this show, no, no. nobody in it. power is immune from criticism. Our political leaders must be held to account. <laughs> That's our job. Wow. I'm good for that guy. Good for Richard. Just serving up. Like, hey, dude, this is how you pronounce her name. Her name, dude. Because he... Unbelievable. He was butchering uh, her name. And, I, I mean, accidentally, on purpose, who really knows, honestly? Because Tucker definitely push, pushes buttons. Yeah. Um, Richard Goodstein, uh, former Clinton advisor, the, the one correcting there on Fox News. And um, we'll try to make this weekly segment of sound that we like from the internet, not uh, just finding the dumbest thing on Fox News and railing against it. Uh, but yeah, like the correct response to that is, hey, thank you, <laughs> Kamala Harris. So she's not immune from criticism, uh, but I, I appreciate you correcting her name. She's correcting her pronunciation of her name. That is not criticism, you fucking buffoon. Yeah. I would have paid so much money for Richard Goodstein to go back and say, all right then, Tuker. <laughs> And watch his fucking little punchable face explode. Oh, man. Is he a piece of work? And now, sports. The segment each week where we talk about... Hey, Joe, what do you think we're going to talk about in this segment? Sports! Yeah! Go sports! 
So uh, the story that we want to tackle this week uh, is college football essentially being canceled. It's getting canceled piece by piece. Uh, the Pac-12 canceled the other day. The Big Ten canceled. Uh, so some of the other smaller conferences outside of the Power Five have already canceled their seasons. And to me, like, this is so simple. Like, duh. They had to cancel. Yeah. Because there's – you can't – like – College football exists within an ecosystem that says these are college students on a college campus, and which means you can't separate them. Like you can't bubble them because they have to go to class. If not, they're not college students. At which point, you can't have college football. And that's the the problem in all of this. Is like they they're giving up the game. They've said for years these are amateurs. These are amateurs. Like no, you're treating them like employees. And now all of a sudden you get into a scenario where you actually need to treat them like employees, and you can't because that would mean you have to acknowledge that they're actually employees. Right. And that's the problem. So as of this morning, still, uh, so Big Ten canceled, Pac-12 canceled, and they're trying to kind of resume it early next year. That is their plan, uh, uh-huh. which is, which by the way, might coincide with the NFL draft. So that might, uh, you know, some players who are eligible might not be able to be eligible next year. But Big Twelve is playing. Right, that's happening. They're going to try. try and play. They're they're in limbo land. Uh, they're in limbo. ACC and SEC, no word yet. But you do understand, like, for these schools, it is such a monetary loss if they don't play. Because, as you know, the football program is so big for some of these schools that it, the, the, the revenue they bring in, actually, it supplies funding for everything else that entire school and all those programs do. So the soccer programs, right. the baseball programs, field hockey, hockey, whatever it is, th- like, they, they bring in so much money for football that— they they divvy all the that money for the rest of the programs for everybody else. So if you're not having a season, that is putting a massive hurt on every other program for that entire year. And that's yep. and that's what these these athletic directors and these schools and that that's that's what they're kind of dealing with. But it, like you said, it comes down to health. Like these guys are playing football. There, it's a it's a physical contact sport. How are you going to avoid this? That is hard to do. Right, and that's the the hard part about this is what's actually the thing about sports in general right now that I don't think people understand. The games are not what's hard because when you travel, you can actually bubble up pretty easy. Like if everyone is healthy when they get on the plane, and as long as a flight attendant doesn't have it and gives it to everybody on the plane, like. You get to your where you're going. You get off the plane. You don't go through the airport. These guys are these are chartered flights uh, at, at the Power Five, you know, Division One level. You get on a bus. Again, you're all together. If there's no virus, no one can catch it uh, from because because it's not there. Uh, you go to a hotel. Again, the hotel like you you rent it out. It's it's just yours. Uh, maybe you stay at a slightly smaller hotel than you're used to, so that you, it's just you guys, you know, and your hundred person traveling party. Um, and then you go play the game. The other team is doesn't have the virus because uh, they've been testing, and this is why testing is so important. You need to know all this. And you play. No one can get the virus while they play because no one has it. There's no one to give it to anybody else. And then, and there's no fans in the stadiums, and you know, minimal contact to no contact with like stadium workers and all that kind of stuff. And all those people should be tested anyway. Then you get back on the same bus, get back on the same plane, and you go back. That's not the hard part. Yeah. And this is the same for the NFL, by the way. The hard part is you got 100 to 130 people, players, staff, whatever, that are all going to go home after practice. And if your home is a dorm room or your home 
at, you know, in the NFL, you have a wife who works and is out in, in, in at an office um, interacting with other people. If she brings it home, if a roommate, you know, you say you live with a roommate who's not another player or whatever, that person brings it home. It, you know, however it is that you come in contact with the outside world, and then the problem is if it gets into your team, it spreads like wildfire. And so this is why the lack of funding into testing months and months and months ago has fucked us because if there was instant testing available and you could instant test every time you walk into the, the football facility and is you're negative, okay, go practice, you're positive, get the hell out of here and go home. Like, it's a different story. Um, but we don't have that. And so trying to have specifically college players who are not employees and are not getting paid exist in this very small world and, and all. So like if they're going to class, fucking good luck. Like, yeah, it's, that's why it's impossible. It's actually not the games, which is why when I hear that teams might still practice this fall, I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's a bad health decision. The games are not what's hard. It's the practices and being together in meetings and things like that. When, if one person gets it and you're in close contact, cause like you said, it's football and it's this close contact sport that it's going to spread like wildfire. I mean, have what's the decision on some of these big schools uh, as far as going back to school? I mean, having the rest of the the they're college mixed. actually going back yeah, and, and going to class. So they okay. So if, not everyone has decided. I know a lot of schools are doing hybrids, meaning you know one or yep. one or two days at home, one or two days in a classroom. But again, like you're not controlling everyone around you. Everyone's going off doing their thing, working, seeing folks, being around parents, older people. Like it's such a risk, and it's 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 uh, yeah, it's undeniable how this could unfold. It's into a disaster. It really is, and no one knows. No. Yep. Nobody knows. What is your? I guess what is your hope for this? My hope is that they listen to the doctors. I would love to see football because I enjoy football. I like watching it, but like, I don't want to see it if I'm not going to feel like, be honest, if you were to watch a college football game right now, would you feel good about it? Probably not. No, I'd feel fucking terrible. Yeah. So I don't really want college football specifically for that reason. If NFL guys want to go and you know, they're a adults and B are getting compensated millions of dollars. Um, many of whom right now, by the way, are turning that money back around into amazing charitable organizations. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, like, good for them. Make your money. I don't have, uh, like, keep all the money you want. Yeah. You earned it. Um, but, like, it, it's two completely different things. So, yeah, I I want them to listen to the doctors, and the doctors say, don't play football. So, don't play football. That's what I want to see. Right. Right. And we'll see. Because, you know, if, if, if ACC and SEC actually move forward with this, and there is a breakout, and then this virus spreads amongst several teams that's the end of it and yeah. it's a wash you know and these coaches can get out and be like oh football's so important you know it's better if they do this wait till you kill one of their grandmas how are you gonna feel then and i hate to like be that blunt about it because like that's kind of a in a way it's a jerk move but like it's also the reality like that's what we're actually protecting against is that you don't kill your your left tackle's grandma when he goes home to visit yeah that's exactly what that's exactly right and i mean nfl's plan Let's kind of jump into that just real quickly. Did they have one? Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, the NFL, yeah, they've got all kinds of protocols. Um, and Hard Knocks, I think, did a good job of showing this the, the other night. If you watch Hard Knocks on HBO, um, which this year is Los Angeles, it's got both the Chargers and the Rams. Um, and they show, like, they've got the testing, they've got temperature checks, they've got all this kind of stuff. They're, they've moved a lot of meetings to Zoom, or they've made social distancing in their meetings. Um, the Rams are meet, you know, created an outdoor meeting space because the airflow is so much better outside, which mitigates risk. Mm-hmm. So the NFL, because they have the resources, um, and again, uh, these things could be negotiated because they're, the athletes have a union. Um, they've got plans, and, and they're going to try to do this the best they can, but it comes down to personal responsibility. Like The team that wins the Super Bowl this year might be the team that, and I'm not the first one to say this, and I, I think Anthony Lynn actually said it the other night on Hard Knocks, um, on, top of, on top of some other coaches and, and analysts who have said this, but the team that handles the virus best might be the one that wins the Super Bowl. Like That might be the best way to, to win this year is like, yeah, we were super responsible, and so our starting quarterback didn't miss a playoff game because he was out with COVID. Yeah. Like, wow. that could be real, and they're just going to have to, listen again, listen to the medical experts and, and see what they can do. We'll close the show each week with a segment we're going to call Look Good, Feel Good, Do Good. You've heard of Look Good, Feel Good, Play Good. We're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to give you something to watch, something to help you feel a little bit better, and then something you can do to help make the world a better place. So, look good. Uh, Joe, what's what's the thing that you're either watching or you watched this past week that you think people should know about? Uh, what, actually, the, I just watched it. It's a Richard Jewell, the movie Richard Jewell, Clint Eastwood directed. I thought it was really good. Could you actually learn a lot about Richard Jewell and how he was just, just dissected by FBI and media? Yeah, that was crazy. Wrongfully. Um, I, I heard that was that was pretty good. Uh, mine is called Bringing Down the House, and this is a documentary that's been around for a while. It was on the 2018 midterms, and a lot of the progressive candidates that uh, tried to run and win and were taking on incumbents and, or running in tough races, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who obviously won in 2018. Uh, ironically, uh, Cori Bush was in there as well, who lost in this documentary in 2018, but just won her 2020 race in Missouri. So uh, it was really cool. It was really inspiring. Um, if you want to see politics done right and what it means to some of the younger progressive members of Congress and the kind of people that are behind politics and who were actually there for the right reasons to do good. Um, that that was a great documentary. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, feel good. A, this will be either a physical or mental health tip, uh, something that's working for us or a story we want to share in that space. Right. Joe? Yes. So I have been uh, actually doing a lot of meditation uh, mm. Craig, and it's very zen of me. Uh, I think since quarantine hit, I sometimes would get anxious and 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 vulnerable uh, about future uh, outlooks. So I'm like, you know what? I want to start really diving into some meditation. So I got this app called Balance, and it is incredible. I do it once a day. You can either do it for five minutes or ten minutes out of your day. Go to a, a quiet room or somewhere there it's dark lit or you know wherever basically. Um, and you put the app on, and I uh, sometimes will have headphones for complete sound, so I'm not like distracted by other stuff. And someone walks you through it, and it's a lot of breathing and 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 like just calmness, and it is. It's been a lifesaver. And, you know, and I know a lot of people try meditation, and sometimes it's hard for people because, like, you kind of get sidetracked. But they talk about this in the app, but it's okay if you if your thoughts wander. But it's, just, it's, it's about recognizing it and then just coming back to it. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. So uh, I felt— I need that. I need that because I'm so ADD. Yeah. Oh, especially if you're ADD. Yes. It, yeah, it's, which I know you—I uh, you, 
I don't know if suffer is the right word, excel at as well. That's right. I actually use it for uh, benef- a beneficial uh, practices, absolutely. Um, yes. So I, I recommend that, um, uh, especially during these uncertain times, uh, a quick, just a quick pause throughout your day. And it, by the way, it could be anything. It could be any kind of meditation. You don't have to use the app that I'm recommending. But yeah. I just feel like it's it's helpful, and it's uh, I've I've seen a difference in my in my energy and my shifting, and uh, I think uh, it, it it could benefit uh, it could benefit uh, a lot of folks who are kind of going so through. It balances it. the app you use. Balance, if you want to try it out. Balances balance. the app. Nice. I like it. All right, for my uh, feel good, I'm literally going to flex on you. Uh, I have been back in the weight room, and I forgot how much I missed it. Like. I got so freaking just lean and skinny, like to the point that I have, when I saw one of my friends, my trainer or coworkers at the gym, um, and she's like, you look really lean. I'm like, like I took it as an insult because I just, I'd lost all my muscle and being back in the weight room, I'm lucky that our gym has taken all the right precautions and is, is safe. And I, I feel really legitimately safe going there. And so having like muscle back has felt amazing. I feel strong. And, uh, yeah, go lift weights. They're good for you. That's what, yeah. that's my feel good for the week. Exerc- it has been fantastic. Exercise is, is, is very important. So, uh, I also do that yeah. every day. So, so good on you, sir. Good on you. Yeah. But it's not just exercise. It's like the type of exercise. Like I was tired of the at home workouts. Like I needed, I needed to touch some heavy weight and, uh, I'm getting my strength back and it feels good. It feels good. By the way, not everyone can go back to a gym. So, you know, be great. I know, I know. So I'm. If you can take advantage of it, it's good for you. If not, uh, maybe we'll talk about some tips for uh, replacing heavyweights uh, on a future show. Or I have a whole fitness podcast, and you can listen to that. The Train with the Best Ooh. podcast. Boom! Plug, Available plug, plug, plug. You fi- you can find this one. Uh, all right. Wrapping up with do good. I mentioned this earlier in the show. So again, look good, feel good, do good. Uh, we with the Washington Spirit partnered with When We All Vote, which and uh, as part of Rally the Vote, which is an initiative that 20 sports franchises are taking on Sacramento Kings of the NBA were the first one to do it. And they have done an incredible job, including opening up their arena out there in California as a voting place. Uh, Cause right now, because of social distancing uh, you need bigger places to serve as polling places. Like a, a high school might not really have the space for people to stand six feet apart in line and to, to stand safely. So you get a place like a, an NBA arena and all of a sudden you're, you're operating at a completely different scale. And so a number of organizations have done that, uh, including the Kings. Uh, we are partnering with, with rally the vote, uh, and just our, my do good of the week is very, very simple as a part of this initiative. I encourage everyone and I will, I will use when we all vote as part of one of our partners in this go to when we all vote.org ensure that you're registered to vote. Yeah. Share it on social media that you're registered and encourage your friends to do it. And so I think one of the key things and what's cool about Rally the Vote and getting involved with these athletes and professional sports teams is it makes voting cool. There's no stigma like, oh, look at you. You're a nerd who cares about politics. I think a lot of that is shied away in the last couple of years anyway because we all realize how important politics are, uh, that they literally run our lives. But having that, that mindset of like, okay, maybe I'll vote versus like, no, I'm a voter. I'm someone who takes control. That mentality I think is really dope. So be a voter, go make sure you're registered, go to whenweallvote.org, make sure your registration's up to date. And uh, also if you don't want to vote on election day and you want to make life easier on yourself, register for an absentee ballot. I second that, go vote. And that's our podcast. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the new format. Hope you guys in, uh, enjoyed, enjoyed my friend. His name's Joseph. Uh, Hello. (laughs) And uh, we'll see you right back here next week. Bye.